if we removed IVF as an option, if it was just left as you make love, that's it, that's your only way, do, would you come to a place better? Because you wouldn't have all been sold to hope. And I think IVF, that hope becomes really toxic and false. And that is, all... wow. <laughs> oh my gosh, I've never that is thought so true. that. Toxic, oh my that's brilliant. Welcome to the Full Stop Podcast with Berenice Smith from Walking Our Shoes, Sarah Lawrence from After the Storm, and me, Michael Hughes from Married and Childless. If this is your first time here, our podcast is centred around supporting the Childless Not Boy Choice community, and our aim is to be a focal point for that community and with all our special guests show you how to manage your grief and the issues specific to us, and by example, show that a full and happy life can be had without those children we dearly wanted. Now we slated this episode as one for the guys and our great friend Andy Harrod specifically asked if we could discuss worthiness as Stephanie Phillips World Childless Week 2020 had just finished and it it resonated with him. Now the result of our chat took us way off base and it ended up as a type of group therapy session and I think you will agree we all needed it. Why was you keen on talking about worthiness? Why was I keen? Um, I think because I've lived for a long time, so pre-Child for Kids and then through the Child for Kids with a sense that I'm not quite good enough. And definitely not being able to have children has really laid on top of that and sort of made it louder and noisier. And, And it's not... It doesn't work, that thing of telling myself I'm not good enough, that I've failed of not having kids, that I don't match this sort of societal expectation, sort of criteria, qualityness. If you're not a dad, who are you? That mm-hmm. treating it like I've failed, that I'm not worthy, that I don't matter because I don't have children, I don't have grandchildren, that sort of legacy just was getting me down it was it blunted enthusiasm it sort of blunted joy it it just didn't make sense but to turn it around and say I still matter I am worthy because having children is one part of you and it's not all of you and so you still even as a parent you still need to matter to yourself you can't live for your children and it's it's possible that I would have been a parent who through having kids would have healed that sort of sense of not being good enough or it could have been I end up living through them I just don't know I'd hope to think it's a more healthier way but I suppose what I suppose what sort of where I'm going to with this is that it's just one part of my story and that there's lots of other factors to me and that in a sense childlessness it layers on top of what you already know and so it's it's hell going through the grief, through the trying, through the disappointment, through the pain, through the losses. And they don't stop once you sort of accept that childless life. And it feels like acceptance is a spectrum where some days I'm accepting and I can get on. Other days I accept, but I don't like doing that. 
and it's rawer and things trigger and but being with that difficulty of acceptance and moving on the plan b as jody calls it the next chapters looking at it through sort of eyes of failure it's just no fun it's just mm. it's just creating hard work and before um we met i was doing a bit of writing this morning after breakfast and it's sort of when i wrote about the sense of failure the sense of and where it might have come from which is beyond the scope of this sort of podcast it's it was like writing through sludge it was really dull and it's a great day here anyway but it just felt really oof. but then when i sort of start thinking why is it important that i am worthy i matter it sort of felt lighter more energized at thinking that Yes, I don't have children, but if I live my life thinking, what an idiot for mucking that up. And I could use obviously a much more colourful language there, but there is this sense of, if I do that, the rest of my life isn't going to be any fun. It's just going to keep repeating the 30s. It's almost like a purgatory of punishment. And so to say I'm worthy, to say that's what I want to aim for beyond acceptance, sort of an acceptance where yes the acceptance may still waver me i may sort of it may be raw it may not be but if i think of it as well let's try and make the most of life let's make the most of me let's live by the values that matter to me it it just feels like that life opens up and it does feel bright it does feel more chance to be energized energetic enjoy what i'm doing rather than at times it feel, feels like going through the motions I suppose that's the, yeah, the long answer to why I think it's important to feel worthy rather than feel a failure about it or just feel pissed off about it. It sort of it feels like it does need a sort of shift, it does need tackling. And I think and perhaps at the start I remember Berenice saying women seem to talk about unworthy more. And I know that through Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, the groups there, the the people who treat post about childlessness there's a sort of it's quite a feminine approach or quite a soft approach about worthiness about mattering and i am on more sensitive soft side i think as a man and so i can connect with that but i can see also within the sort of what i've been taught about society and how a man should be in it that that's really hard to embrace because you're sort of seen as a as weaker and all sorts of sort of derogatory names and sort of discriminatory names in the sense of, I remember sort of that thing at school, because you're soft, you're known as gay. And it's like, that's nothing to do with being gay or straight or whatever. These are just sort of qualities. But you, you end up in a real sort of quandary of, well, that's not who I am, so I can't show that. And then when you get through difficulties like this, and I can see how us men, if we're straight, we're told to be in this sort of way, act like this, but to embrace the softer size, to say you're worthy, it's it's sort of risking being bullied or exposed, it feels like to me, because of what previous experience has sort of said about being more in touch with your emotions. So I can see, yes, for men, this is a difficult t- topic because it's a bit like crying. We're just told not to. I guess that's sort of, and that's, I suppose, why I sort of wanted to talk about it. A, because I think it's important that I get to grips with feeling I matter. But also, I think for me, part of the age and part of this, 
legacy thing with the worthiness is also helping other people get to grips with it also being a voice because for some reason i feel able to do that for some reason it sort of it, it seems important to do that so it sort of feels good to help people who maybe less wanting to do it publicly and in a private way and sort of just being able to say it's okay to sort of be soft or it's okay to like yourself still even if you can't kids that's not the deal and end all yeah i'll, I'll stop there and <laughs> catch my breath but it's almost like i don't have any evidence for it but it's almost like you you you're not allowed to think that way in some respects if a guy was to go around saying i value myself i'm you know i'm a nice i'm a i'm a good guy I'm, i value myself i do lots of good things our society is not set up for that particularly here in australia we're not set up for that we have this i'm not quite sure if you had the same sort of um thing in the uk because it's been a long time since i've lived there but we have the tall poppy syndrome here where if you get too big for your boots you get chopped down and it and it keeps everyone on an equal it, it's almost like i guess it's a way of society keeping everyone on an equal plane so we you know we don't have a class system um as such so um yeah if these people get too big for their boots yeah we'll chop him down he's got to come back down to our level but it's again it's um yeah so if you were just i value myself it would totally not be uh, cool here to do that strange i'm not quite sure if the same thing in the uk but okay i was going to say i think it is in the sense of this probably seems it's okay to be big about it if you like or that accepted as well maybe not by on the self or others but there's a sense that with the politics i know this is going political now but this is what's coming ahead but with politicians of they seem to be getting away with things because it's sort of blunder and bluster or it's who we are that's okay it's part of me it's sort of personality type thing where if you're sort of kind of like you think of corbyn and don't know him, his story that well but there's a sense that what he betrayed that more quality got shot down that that somehow wasn't right that isn't for us and it's almost like people perhaps think those who are who value themselves are better think they're better than other people but if you value yourself you don't tend to have that ego where if you think you're above people you tend to have the ego and looking at our country or other countries that is getting our societies into real trouble so i can sort of see the the need to shoot or cut down the, the tall poppies if it's an ego thing that's actually detrimental but when we value ourselves and actually like ourselves from our heart we tend to be kinder to the world mm. we tend to be nicer and that perhaps is i've seen some advertised recently about leadership in women that we need more women leaders and maybe perhaps part of this is i can't think of a name but the prime minister in new zealand yeah she's done really well with the pandemic there and and she's just won the second term as well by a landslide yeah. The first time in 50 years that a, the party um, has actually won in New Zealand without having to form a coalition with someone else. So she's done yeah. great guns. Yeah. And I think people talked about our women prime ministers or women presidents or those in charge of those countries seem to be doing better. And, but it's, it's not, I don't think it's necessarily being a woman 
but it's the construct of what a woman can do compared to what a man can do and that and so in a sense for men to say oh yeah i like myself from my heart i matter and then that allows you to help others and support others that seems to get shot down as being too big for your boots i think where mm. men to have the ego the sort of the bigness the sort of oh, i've got more muscle for you i can lie better than you all had affairs that seemed to be cool but not for women so it's unfair it, it, it works both ways both men and women get shot down but i don't really know where i'm going with this now but i'm thinking in that sense of yeah i think that unfortunately the tall poppy syndrome thing goes against valuing yourself from the heart because it's not about ego for me this is the unworthy and i think that's maybe part of the trouble when we say we matter or talk about matter and is oh, is it going to lead us to be selfish and egotistical? But actually, I think you go that way if you don't like yourself as much and you're trying to do things, you're trying to be someone. And I think I wonder, and I think that's the problem, I think men in that way, that you're valued more by who you pretend to be than who you actually are. Mm. I can't speak for women, but it feels like with the, polit- in the politicians, if we think of them, that just in this... She, for some reason she's more at home in herself and that seems to be the work and is valued where if it was a man I wonder would it be the same but we just can't know that but I feel like me being softer more emotional that is very that does feel like a stick out compared to maybe some other men if especially say when I was playing football or, yeah I couldn't imagine ever playing rugby Luminec. <laughs> in that sense but that's again being really stereotypical about people who played rugby and that's not right either mm. but it's that sense again that i sort of suit being a counselor compared to being on a building site it seems because maybe of who you have to try and be even if that's not you and some people pull it off some people maybe not sure they're doing it and i think that's a big thing for us men to tackle the stereotype the, the sort of the constructions we have for ourselves and the same for women because it's almost like women can't be angry they can't show a more masculine side that gets shot down it is really difficult for us with these the constructs and the sort of the binariness of it so you can certainly see where the non-binary is coming from that yes biologically we're one or the other but gender-wise it, it really holds us back at times i really have enjoyed listening to you andy and why you've explained that because if I talk about myself, I see I'm even finding it difficult to talk about now, but and not because it's emotional, but I'm not quite sure I should say this. But if you was to look at the things that I do, or the pies I've got my fingers in, if you will, um, I I I I don't talk about that a lot. You know, I don't talk about the fact that, you know, we've got a group called the Clan of Brothers that we're trying to help other men. I mean, if people ask me about the podcast, so I talk, you know, I'll, I'll look for an opportunity to do that. But, you know, I don't talk too much about being in a podcast to, you know, um, highlight our community. Then there's other things that I do that I feel I can't talk about because it doesn't go with you know, hairy, gruff, who I am. Um, but one of the things that, but I, I know, I know on the other hand, that 
Vicky says to me, one of the things she loves about me is the fact that I'm just a big cuddly teddy bear that, you know, she knows what goes on on the inside. And yeah, so I really understand what you're talking about there in that, that, you know, there's this way that we should be behaving and well, there is an expectation of the way that we believe a certain, you know, guy should behave. And if we behave a diff bit differently, then we find it difficult to express. Yeah, that really catches it. I was just made me think of how we find it hard to be complex, to be both a sort of, you could be playing sports and really sort of loud, out there, passionate in charge, laddie if you like jokey in the change room that'd be one aspect of you and then at home be the cuddly bear and you can be both hmm. but it feels like we're told the only one is preferred one makes you the cool kid amongst your mates and what goes at home is private and we shouldn't talk about it. so if you are cuddlier at home there's no way you should tell the rest of the world about that because can't can't have men being cuddly that's that's just wrong <laughs> Well, actually, you know, funny, funny now we're talking about this because that's where it only comes out, really, at home. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know if anyone else sees that, but in my head, in my head, that's how it, that's how it is. You've just outed yourself across however many listeners we've got that you're a big cuddly, cuddly bear. <laughs> there now. But, I mean, I, I guess I see it, Michael. I see your softer side because you know you've been yeah. affected by some of the stuff we've talked about and i'll be honest with you it always catches me out when um when a man reacts that way because as you say you're not you're meant to be this one-dimensional gruff aren't you strong you're meant to be the rock and so whenever i see a man getting upset it, it throws me off entirely hmm i think also when you went to the the fertility fest and we went there and we did the I remember just thinking how few men were there. Mm -hmm. That was that was where I when I met you, Michael. You and you and Vicky when you came over, and that was the, the um, at, gosh, Shepherd's Bush, and it was we had these very small um, Petra Kutcher style things, and the audience was quite small there. But yeah, a handful. I think I, I don't even think it was that. I don't even think there were. were, were you were there there was maybe a couple of others that was it and mm. actually you were the only one there who i remember sharing how you felt about being there and offering the support that you did to others as well so yeah i, I absolutely I, you know you yes you are because just from the outside looking the first time I'd, I'd, I'd met you and Vicky and in fact many people I hadn't met <laughs> I think I knew Steph maybe I think that was probably about it and JD I didn't know anybody else but it was just uh, quite unique to meet someone like you who was prepared to sort of also say how it affected you but also you were yeah you were propping other people up as well including me um which is yeah Definitely. I think we were, we were all, I having lunch the following day. We were all just at the, at the table. God knows what the waiter thought because the cold table of us. And then I don't know, it must have been about, I think it was like 10. I can't remember. I got a photograph somewhere. I could count the number of people at the table. Not that that matters. Um, but, you know, we were sort of like cackling with laughter. And, and then suddenly you just, okay, we're just all feeling a bit, 
a bit, you know, like we needed propping up a bit. And that's the power of, I think, of a community, but also probably the power of having those conversations across genders. I think that matters so much. And that was kind of, you know, that I think a big revelation, really, having that cross gender conversation in a safe space and feeling supported like that and having different reasons for being there, but actually ultimately sharing a very similar grief as well. I think there's a, I want to just go back if it's all right, just digress slightly because there was a quote I remember and going back to what you said about the tall poppies, Andy, and it's Matt Haig who is a parent, but has written so many good books about his mental health mm. and I think has just made it okay to talk about stuff get so much abuse on Twitter for doing that but also an awful lot of support and he he is a quote that I just trying to find it and it's and it's about the world is increasingly designed to depress us happiness isn't good for the economy if we were happy with what we had why would we need more how do you sell an anti-aging moisturizer you make someone worry about aging how do you get people to vote for a political party? You make them worry about immigration. How do you get them to buy insurance? By making them worry about everything. How do you get them to have plastic surgery? By highlighting their physical flaws. And how do you get them to watch a TV show? By making them worry about missing out. And how do you get them to buy a new smartphone? By making them feel they're not being left behind. To be calm becomes a kind of revolutionary act to be happy with your own non-upgraded existence, to be comfortable with our messy human selves would not be good for business. And that's from Reasons to Stay Alive, which is a fantastic book. And I just remember reading it at the time and I read it recently again, given the state of how everything is and the world in which we're living in, particularly, I think, I mean, we could be sort of slightly biased to, to the UK. Um, and the complexities of, of our situation and politically, although we try try to avoid it. Sometimes we do have rants about it when we're not recording. Um, I think that it was it's very telling that you know you by making us feel that society and that pressure we have, perhaps that we need something a bit more. Because ultimately, actually, to be honest, IVF is a cell. Really, the end of the day, it's going into a, into, a, into a seminar and being talked to by doctors in whom you place great faith that they will give you what you want because ultimately society tells you that's what you need. You may emotionally feel that you need to be a parent, but actually if you throw money at it, maybe you've got more chance, say, than any other option. You know, we all know... I think the stories of how hard adoption can be and that it isn't a just, but IVF is a cell. It's almost selling us something. And I think that gives us a pressure as well. If you, you know, think about cars and things like that, you know, my, my, my brother and most of my family, to be honest, yeah, we want a nice car. Yeah, we have a good car. You know, it's that boys' toys thing. And, and actually to a point, girls' toys as well. I've got caught up in it once as well until I realised that actually, you know, we need to take care of the planet a bit more and not do these things. But it's been a such a long ingrained thing, bigger, better, more. Mm. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a couple of thoughts. One was Sarah is that being a one-dimensional rock and... I really struggled to be that rock. Like, great, 
so yeah my wife great she was finding it um but tough she's been emotional she's showing the emotions is what i mean by that and she took the time off she needed she did what she needed to do despite it not being what her work wanted they sort of half supported her and there was sort of discussions at the doctors what you call this this grief but she did it and that was really good that she took that self-care that she recognized she needed the time out where i decided i had to be the rock needs to keep earning needs to keep going i couldn't show this weakness because then how could i support her if i was also gonna cry but all it did in the end was sort of create this this person who i wasn't and i did break and i'd end up you can feel it's coming up now but i'd end up just sat on the kitchen floor upset or i'd have too many drinks and then just be in tears and it was just it was a nightmare and it it and it was that thing of listening to what we're told we need to do or be and so in a sense you're not buying anything capitalism isn't selling you anything here but it is within that society that sports government is telling you you have to be this way to be a man and so in a sense it was telling me you cope with this by drinking as well or at times i started going for long runs and things like that but it didn't really sort anything out because i wasn't actually with it i was running away from it and being a rock was like running away and i thought i was helping us but i wasn't really i was holding certainly my process back and in a sense, our process going forward, I think. And with, I suppose that sort of links with the thoughts around IVF of being a cell, that sense of, oh, if you do IVF, it's for, like where we went in Manchester, it's one of the best chances in the country, one of the best ones. It's still 34%, but we saw 34% because we had, would had naught in a sense because we'd got pregnant and we'd lost our kids we had miscarriages and there's this sense that free to IVF we'd get a baby and so we did it and it is positive test after the first one we thought we'd done the work for some reason we thought what we were doing having sex was so different to what they were doing which was just having sex in a sense and what we found out is the problem wasn't conceiving it was the baby state and IVF couldn't fix that but still we went back for a second time and then after that they tried to sell us a third or fourth but we couldn't afford it we're the only ones with a battered car in the car park everything else had cars probably more expensive than our house and it, it is a big business and it's it's still two-thirds of people come out of IVF without a baby and it is a sense as a man that IVF looked more attractive to me than it did to rape there's a sense that this could fix it that if it's if we can't have it together if we do this we'll somehow fix it we'll get it right and maybe as a man that appeals more of the practical or that sense of i'm meant to provide so at least if we do IVF, i'll provide this where it was the same rotten luck the same it just yeah this didn't work and i think for me that's going back to i guess the worthiness is that sense of just the need to be me and that me for me is soft it is emotional for others it could be being loud sort of bantry you know that is generally who they are and i've got no problem with that that we need that diversity but it's when we try to be someone we're not and i think 
that was the thing that happened could agree and i think in a stranger i think either almost sells that that we don't we're not us that makes sense it does did, did you feel that that process i i can remember going in and thinking we stand more chance than anybody else when i remember looking at the at, at the presentation and they had you know this is this is what we do and this is the, the, the you know the, the petri 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 dish and this is what happens and we do this we do that and this is that and, and our story i think is very similar probably to yours Andy. that it wasn't the conceiving it was the keeping the pregnancy and that despite god knows how many drugs i had on the last one didn't work and that ultimately is why i don't have children um and there's no fix for that it's it's just impossible and i kind of i'm trying to go back and i'm trying to find it quite hard actually to go back to that time but i can remember the presentation being there and thinking this is a fix this is something we can do it felt like the fix and and despite the money because again like you we had the, the crappiest car in the car park we didn't get the kitchen in the house for, for years we didn't go on a holiday for years you know we, we literally just we just didn't um and I think it felt like okay we, we can save up we we can find money we'll we'll get that sorted out you know we cut 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 back you know my husband ended up working overtime all hours I barely saw him during the entire experience because he would get paid overtime um so we threw money at it because that felt like a fix we could manage somehow and I'm just thinking that that I keep going back to the fixed thing <laughs> repeatedly in this podcast, but it, it felt like it was something we could do that, okay, we can give money and we can almost theoretically hand over responsibility to somebody else, even though actually we were handing over responsibility and a hell of a lot of in, intrusion into our physical, mm. well, me particularly, but also for, for my husband, as it would have been with you. There is that, okay, yeah, you know, yeah, it's kind of what's the word I'm trying to think of they're taking away that intimacy everything that you knew and fixing it for you somehow as if they're kind of rebuilding you like some sort of robot somewhere along the line and almost you become robot I found I was becoming robotic in my responses you know yes I'm fine yes this is okay yes you can do the blood test yes that's all right yeah okay yeah fine lovely everything felt so like it was almost become less emotional somewhere and there wasn't that space to say look actually i can't do this anymore mm -hmm. until it was over until i had that breathing space to say okay now i've got to grief now i've got to the impossibility of it's not going to happen but it was handing the money over and going okay your problem it's not not mine now you 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 people with your science off you go you know what you're doing yeah and you know and and i, I never thought about the statistics didn't, 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 I don't think they even told me. It wasn't until I probably went to Gateway Women and I, I spoke to Jodie Day or read something that Jodie had written and, and realised it's like at the time when we were going through it, 76% was a failure. Yeah, and it's, it's that thing we noticed the positive statistics. That's the one that was printed everywhere and they told you about. But we, we never thought of turning that around thinking, what, what is, 
what's that other bigger number about? And I think it's it fits to what you use that quote from Matt that about we're sold everything and IVF is another thing we are definitely sold that this is to me the word fix fits it perfectly because it is almost like we've tried the natural things we tried some other things through the doctors we're part of a research project we've tried all sorts of things and the IVF is sort of the last thing and we got two lots on the NHS and we put bits towards things because we're like oh if you do this thing then it'll improve it but when we paid for stuff it's all it didn't seem to do anything for anything it sort of made it more difficult and yeah and for me it is getting given a plastic pot and walking into a room was just that's just mucked up in a strange thing it just makes it that was just really alien and this is here you go and that's your bit there's no sense of what does this feel like what does this mean but yeah for for the intrusion the drugs the effect on their body long afterwards is just ah it's it's and you you don't think that necessarily it just you just so want that baby and it's i think i do wonder for people like us in this situation or and future couples and single people that if we removed IVF as an option if it was just left as you make love that's it that's your only way would you come to a place better because you wouldn't have all been sold to hope and i think ivf that hope becomes really toxic and false and that is wow (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh i've never thought of that oh my god brilliant yeah i don't know i i've always said god i'm I'm getting emotional here because that is such a big like wow um Oh gosh, I've always said that I was extraordinarily proud to go through IVF despite the fact it didn't work, that I threw everything about me at it, that I hate needles, I'm terrified of needles, I had some really bad experiences and I had to go through all of the stuff of getting over that fear and I always thought okay I did that but then even now Kenny will remind me that there are there, there was something on television the other week about um, on the radio about um, about mental health effects of people that have been through IVF and something to do with um, just the long term effects of the drugs that that, that, mm. that uh, we've taken. But at the same time, I regret that I regret that some of the emotional fallout from that because I don't know if it was the same for for both of you but I I went off the rails emotionally I was just like Christ I I, <laughs> I can't even begin to explain how utterly unlike me I was mm. never mind the repercussions afterwards of really really terrible mental health and I spoke before on the mental health episode you know I, I was quite convinced that that the world was better off without me you know I, I was suicidal at one point um, but at the time the medication because of what it does to you I mean it's like a false kind of I think I remember it's like a false menopause I think um, God, we, we went to, to Cornwall on holiday and I slept in the spare room 
we went to go on holiday for a nice relaxing break and I, I slept in the spare room because I was, I was hot. I was, the medication just made me just like, I was just like, oh my God, I'm just, and everything irritated the hell out of me and I couldn't sleep. I didn't sleep for a week, um, properly for months I didn't sleep. Um, then you have the worry on top of that. And then I remember going into, and I, I've spoken to Steph about this because we, we both know the place well, but it was a, a pub in this place in, in King Sands in Cornwall. And they had a, a, some people singing, male voice choir, which is the best of times can set me off. God almighty, walked into this pub. I was just, <laughs> I'm gone. I walked in, started singing, and I was just like floods of tears unable to make a decision as to what it was I needed to do which was for me just to, to to walk out of the door and go home that was all it required but I couldn't do it I couldn't physically think about what it was I had to do next in order to make myself sort of you know back in control because I had lost control I had utterly lost control I think mentally and physically and to have not gone through that yeah. Uh, yeah. That, I, I'm going to have to live with that thought for a little while, I think, because that actually, yeah, that is just such a, an interesting thing to think about. Would it have been better? I, think no, I don't know, because obviously I didn't do IVF. I, I perhaps went the other way. I didn't look at the positive stats, perhaps because of everything I'd been through beforehand. So I was very cynical about it. And so when I looked at the stats for, I mean, largely based on my age and my health, I mean, it was single figures. And so I was sort of, oh, fuck that. I'm not going to put myself through it. I was, my mental health when I was on the pill, which is an, a tiny, tiny fraction of what you go through on IVF when you're injecting yourself. And I, I guess you feel you're on last chance saloon. I, I just like my mental health wouldn't cope with that. My marriage wouldn't have coped with that. So I didn't do it. And I think, I think the, the point you made there, Andy, is very on point because I think I had to face facts far sooner than perhaps somebody that, that thought, I am going to go with IVF and try it out. In fact, I had a friend say to me, do you think you've tried hard enough? She's no longer a friend, obviously. Um, but I was like, well, fuck you. Yes, I have. That's the reality. It, it's so much more than let's just do IVF. You know, I looked into it, I read up on it, and I was just like, there's no way I'm going to be able to cope with that mentally or physically. I've already been through so much, and my other half has too. So, no, I, I, I think you do have to deal with it sooner, but it doesn't make it any less harsh for making that decision not to do it. Um, yeah, I think for us guys, because IVF is an option, if we choose to do it or not, is based on our context. I suppose some, it was a hypothetical, I'm thinking if it didn't exist at all, if we didn't have it as an option, could it help a healing process or could it help understanding and processing? But yeah, I'm glad we did it because it feels like we did everything we could and perhaps it, 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 didn't, it didn't break us, but <laughs> it was close. And it, not as a couple, but I think individually, that's the same. And yeah, I don't regret doing it, but I know we did in part the second one because we knew people who it worked for. And we thought, well, the first one was so close. We had a holiday, we had a year out in between, like a holiday, and that and we were starting to think of adoption. We'd even talked to the council 
and then some of the eyes is like whoa that's so quick and the things they're saying you can't do you can't have your cats in your bedroom if you're going to adopt I'm like what tell my family <laughs> you haven't met our cats <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah yeah you, yeah you exactly, can deal yeah. with it being clawed <laughs> and cried at all night but there was that thing of well let's give it a go because of other news of our people we knew had our definite work but, or maybe it will work for us and it was that sense of let's give it a go and i think there that it very felt very much felt like a last time to be in the last one of the dice and it felt different to the first time it was almost like we're doing this because we've got this option and it didn't quite feel right but it's almost well i was desperate by then so i was later on board and rachel thinking that recognizing the desire for kids because it was there just buried under other stuff and so yeah for us it was the IVF certainly the first one was right decision I think it was certainly the right decision the second one because there's a sense of could we live without knowing we had two on the NHS but if you do it or don't you're giving your best I think and it's just it's just a wondering could I suppose to think of me would I have got there quicker would I actually have spent time processing if we hadn't have gone for IVF because that spread it out it, it carried it on it it sort of made us wander and look into things and it's certainly that yeah I didn't have enough time off with our losses and it was difficult just getting time off to do the IVF procedures but somehow it was very much a woman orientated process why are you going and all stuff like this and it's yeah so I suppose yeah maybe there's a part of me thinking it'd be nice to have a simpler world without all that which is a sort of sign, I suppose, of lockdown, the world simplified, it was calmer, it was more peaceful, and I sort of realised through that, I like a quiet world. I'll still buy my vinyl and book, but it is nice not to be buying or not to be so consumed or so busy. Well, it's still somehow very busy, but <laughs> it's yeah. it's that thing, I suppose. No, that's going off topic again, but there is a sense of we did IVF because available, but is it really us it's or any couple i suppose it's it's hard isn't it because it isn't intimate isn't part of how i certainly saw it happening no i'd agree with that i also wonder whether it would change how people perceive childlessness as well if it wasn't there how other people would see it whether there would be more empathy um and whether because it wasn't there as an option that other processes other ways of parenting might be more let's say easier but well yeah easier simplified perhaps because that then is your is the the path you would go down i whether there'd be just more you know more of that kind of chorus of oh just adopt but yeah without it maybe people might Perhaps society might go, okay, well, it isn't the, the, the fix. That fix then is removed. And there would clearly be more childless people because it wasn't around. Or maybe there would be a, a sense of, perhaps, perhaps even a bigger, more vocal community because people would be able to have well, you'd like to think they might have more space to talk about it and to say, well, actually, you know, we'd, it's not, you know, we're trying would be more acceptable than 
then oh we're trying oh we just need to relax you know maybe maybe people might have a, a more of a, an understanding or an empathy perhaps around that but then again also I perhaps it removes the, the that another method of fixing it's an interesting conversation an interesting thought yeah that simplification i think yeah i yeah the same sort of thing you know you, you again I, I agree slightly off topic but yeah the lockdown and the simplification of life and and actually realizing that because you don't want to go out and go to the shops because it's like a scary place to go to these days means that actually we are spending well i've certainly i'm spending less i've still got petrol in the car from when we went to scotland on the 13th when i filled up 13th of march it's still in there <laughs> and i was i was i was so victorious because it was 13th of march okay i realized this on the, on the thing 13th of march was when we when we last filled up and it got to 13th of october obviously during the week and i'm like yay i made it i was i was so victorious whereas in the past i'd have been god really that's just like weird you know, go and, go and drive or something like that. But no, I haven't because I haven't been anywhere. I haven't wanted to go anywhere. I haven't left the county. <laughs> Barely left the city. Left the city once. Otherwise, I've been on my feet or I've been walking. I'm on the bike. I haven't taken, you know, wanted to. I haven't felt the need to at all. So, but anyway, that's slightly digressing. But that's simplification of life mm. as well. And the problem is it actually leads to more people being online with their opinions as well. But we'll, we'll skip over that one, maybe. <laughs> but, yeah, and I know for us, the IVF took so much out of us. And I can hear people, like you say, have you tried enough if you haven't done IVF or if you haven't tried this drug or, or this worked for me, you should ask for that. And then it's like, well, adopt. And you think, adopt, you have no idea how much that took out of us and is still taken out of us. The adoption process is far from simple. You'd have thought this year, fact that you're going, we're broken after IVF, but we still want a kid. That says, for me, speaks volumes. It's not about grooming. It's not manipulation there. It's a genuine desire to sort of help and to have a child and give them a chance. But because the process is so difficult, it's just, I can't afford to go through it and be turned down or to break or actually, unfortunately, because of the children in this position, they come with attachment issues because of they wouldn't be there without them and i know what they're like to try and work with as a therapist and you think would i be a parent or would i end up being a therapist and, and would my wife end up being a teacher not a parent and it's just we weren't sure really what you'd get out of it in a sense of would you get the family that people say you, you get and it just it feels like it just asks so much and i've heard this a lot that the adoption process takes like that many of us chance people haven't gone there because we haven't got anything left to give and we can't maybe face any more pain i think yeah we looked into it but it's i don't know i just again i kind of felt like you it kind of felt like would i actually feel like a parent um and i didn't have anything left to give i don't think my other half did either and then when we looked at the actual process i was I was disappointed with the amount of judgment that you have to contend with in terms of if you want to be a parent, you have to jump through all these hoops. And, and I think I'm, 
I guess for me that the judgment was just one step too far, given that I'd already had someone tell me that I'd not tried hard enough, you know, by not doing IVF and my shattered ego just couldn't take any more. So we didn't do it. But I think, you know, you always wonder at the back of your mind, what if we'd done, if we'd done X, Y, and Z, but I think there comes a point you have to start getting comfortable with the fact that you're going to be childless. Yeah. And the way moving that forward, I think, helps sometimes. You know that's it. And then, again, we tried. We looked at adoption mm-hmm. for the same reasons. Didn't think we had anything to give. I thought that the process was too intrusive. We'd, we'd kind of, like, I felt that physically I'd been invaded enough. Mm-hmm. I think my, I felt that the only thing I had left to hold on to was my home. My, the, the four walls around me was you know, my, my bed where I could just kind of huddle up, even though that that felt like it was the scene of so many disasters, actually. And that one of the things that we, we did do was we, we changed the bed because it felt like that had just so much just disaster around it, decorated the bedroom again to start again. But I think actually, we moved, no, we did. We moved. We moved to a different bedroom in the house. Luckily, we've got the space to do that, but we just we just moved because I, I can't deal with that. And and I think then to have someone come in and 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 assess our our home, this place, to decorate a room that for a child that may not be there. And I I don't know whether that is a thing that you have to do, but I sat here from somebody who she, she'd had to, to 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 go to her MP about it, about the fact that they'd been refused, and she spoke to her MP and they'd had to decorate a room in their house and then of course it had failed and and they weren't approved and then she went to her mp and they had this this space there and you think she hadn't been through ivf or anything but again there was that need to have or desire to have a child and i think she's she has since been successful and, and 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 she was approved her and her husband were approved but they they had to go they had they were living together they had to get married to prove that they were together and I've heard that before and I and I, I can't do that and then we'd had the process of we'd, we'd spoken to them and we'd gone to a seminar and and you know it, it progressed forward and I asked the question does the does the age gap matter between my husband and I yes it would have a bearing on it and I said would I be better off if I adopted on my own Probably. I don't want to do that on my own. You know, making me sit here and go, okay, I've got to choose between a child and my, my husband with no guarantees is going to work. Again, no guarantees. <laughs> this, this, there is no safety net. You know, we, you know, we, we, maybe had we have been perhaps, God, I, I, I don't know, maybe couples do that. I, I don't know. But again, would you really, really, really go through all of that? And it did. It crossed my mind at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe, maybe that's the thing we should do. Maybe we ought to just, you know, maybe we should. Because we, again, we were on that precipice of, oh, my God, you know, are we going to carry on being married? Can we, can we, our relationship survive this? And, and maybe perhaps we need to split up. Maybe I do need to, maybe. And God knows how that make any feel. I mean, we that's just bloody cruel though isn't it Mm. the people can have children they don't have to make these decisions they don't have to feel like they're you know they've got to choose between their husband and a child that isn't guaranteed 
They don't have to decorate a bedroom, even when right. a mould isn't a, a reality. Or sign, or sign the forms in IVF, because I don't know, Yandy, we had to yeah. sign forms to say that we were not, you know, molesters or, or going into this in, in some way. You have these forms all that you have to sign off and they're endless to go through to make sure that you, you are, a, a, you know, you're okay. Right. Even despite the fact that they're taking several thousand quid off you for the privilege of it. You know, let's just check as well alongside your money that you, you could have laundered, frankly. Um, they're not bothered about that bit, you know. Could all be dodgy stuff. Um, but long as you're, you know, and, and actually they, it is a signature. That's all it is. But this is what makes me so fucking angry, um, you'll see. <laughs> but it's like, the, you know, when someone says, why don't you just adopt? It's not just adopting. It's all the stuff that goes with it, all the judgment, mm. all the invasiveness. Why don't you just do IVF? It's physically invasive and it's mentally taxing. Mm. Or why don't you just foster? Because it's not just doing something, is it? It's the mental, physical and emotional investment that you don't have to make when you can just naturally have children. Mm. Mm. I shared a video on walking our shoes about the, the medication and I've still, it's still in the loft um, because I still can't get rid of it. Um, but it was all the medication from the, from one cycle. And I think it, I, I put it on, I remember putting it on Facebook at the time because I thought I'm, I'm going to share this, this shit because I want people to know exactly what I did. This, this is all this stuff I took that my husband had to overcome, again, we're both needle phobics, it's so, so wretched, but um, he fainted, the, the last one nearly fainted on one of the cycles, one of the needles, because I had the needles, so it was like a big needle, boom, <laughs> gone. Anyway, bless him. But um, yeah, all this stuff that we had to take, and it was the case of, you know, this is, it's not just, you know, this, this is life-changing, it, it changes everything, everything because you someone like me and my and, and and kenny we didn't have any obvious problems that we were aware of there were no obvious problems when well, we went through all the tests and all the stuff that you go to the doctors no obvious problems kenny was fine i was fine because you can't diagnose it at that point you can only diagnose constant recurrent miscarriages when you've had constant recurrent miscarriages and I've lost my train of thought here. I'm trying to remember what I was thinking about. But it, if you don't know what's wrong and you can't fix it, you throw everything you have at it. And I suppose that is, again, all of that medication, everything that you, you take for it. And I don't think people perhaps understand maybe perhaps that in itself is quite life-changing as well because I, I I know where I'm going now sorry I'd forgotten completely where I was going with that but it's that point of of you you go into the surgery you you, you think there's nothing wrong with you you have some you know preliminary stuff and they they make sure that everything's okay and I guess I guess at that point you're just you're hoping that it will be a very small thing, IVF. It will be okay. Yeah. And I remember, I remember going to that last appointment. They said, you know, we're going to refer you to IVF, and thinking, yay, great, excellent, good. This is going to work. I have an answer. 
we can do this. We're all right. We're okay. We can get this done. And telling my mum about it, or no, my brother actually, I told about it, um, and just said, oh, you know, this is, this, you know, I'm not going to be around for a bit because he needed some help with stuff. And this is what we're going to do. Thinking it's okay to talk about it because obviously it's going to work. Of course it's going to work. You know, it will. So when you actually go through any process, I think anything that anyone's ever done, whether it's meeting somebody and thinking I've met the right person, I've met my partner, my life partner, and we are going to have children, whether you're on your own and, and you've, you, you want to go through IVF on your own and you've gone down the donor route, whatever situation you find yourself in and all of those hundred ways that we can end up where we are, as Jodie's fantastic list says, it's still life-changing yet we all get this judgment and i think for i think maybe for women in the networks that we belong to and the facebook groups that we're part of we can share that you know we'll, i'll go on and just say oh god this happened today and of course there'll be you know numerous other people will come on women will come and go yeah okay i've been there tell them to you know f off you know what actually we swear on the podcast don't we tell them to fuck off you know and and just 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 get over yourself and you'll have a million responses to that but you very 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 rarely hear of a man going in and saying look i went to work today and one of my colleagues said that him and his wife are having a child and I felt really shit about that. And I don't know what to do about it. And it's affecting me in this way. And even if they you did reply to that, that was posted, the responses, I think, would be very, very different from different genders. I'd like to think that they weren't, but I think that they probably would, because although we're talking here and we have so much in common, that feeling is so very different between all of us. You know, what you guys have gone through and how you feel about yourselves is so very different to how perhaps Sarah and I will feel and equally how Sarah and I feel because Sarah didn't do IVF and I did. And we approach it in different ways as well. And it's changed our lives in different ways too. Yeah, I was thinking that judgment I think is part of that struggle for us men to say we are worthy as well, that it's it's not manly to say that, that or perhaps as man it's already assumed we live in this the society we live in. But yeah, I think as a um, as a man, I didn't really get asked when you're having kids or if people I worked with are pregnant, you sort of don't get included in the same way as a woman. So I think in terms of those groups, in terms of posting, we don't get the same triggers to to talk about and then work through. So I think another reason, I think for me, why my grief process was delayed and then why I felt unworthy was delayed and then just got stuck with failures because it was avoided, not just by me, but by the people around me. You just don't get talked to in the same way or or told is the same sort of quips of you're not trying hard enough. It's so that makes it does make it harder because I think if we change want to change things we're processing, we do somehow need to be able to become aware of them. And if we're not getting triggered at work or by friends, it's 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 harder to do. So I can sort of see how yeah, as a as a woman in those groups, you can 
they are someone's a bit at work and there's loads of people out on that fuck off or yeah that's happened here you get that sort of belonging you get that sense of empowering if you like where's a man it doesn't really happen so i imagine if it's saying a client will just put some up i think while we'd all get it i don't know if there'd be many comments in the sense of oh yeah i've experienced that too where if we put no one talks about it and imagine a lot of men would could get that more and i think that is tricky that we're judged in a different way that we somehow don't care as much or i think maybe being a father has changed any um parental cares coming hasn't it recently like leave and things like that so maybe in the future men will be asked about it more but i think for michael and i and others we're in this middle generation where you still if you you turn out to be a good dad that's a bit of a lucky thing rather than that's how it needs to be and i guess that's the same as why we don't get talked about or why we don't get asked if you like which is a blessing and a curse obviously because you don't go to get those triggers either but you get stuck or i did at least very much what about you michael you've been very quiet mate I've just been um, uh, just been um, listen, taking it all in. Some of the things that have been going through my mind is yeah, I I just I really really love the comment Andy about toxic hopefulness. That is brilliant because you know we were peddled, you know, ninety percent success rate where we are, and. Phew, Vicky's a, Vicky was like a woman possessed. I've never seen her so focused in all her life. It's, it was incredible. And just, it, it, it's almost like it fed off that. And she will tell you that she would have kept going if I hadn't said, let's stop. Because she wanted, and like you said, Berenice, about you're proud you did it. And she will say the same. Because she said, I do not want to ever have the regret of not trying hard enough and so um yeah so as i said she was like a woman possessed it it's incredible to think how um such a uh, it's still incredible for me to think about how, how possessed she was about getting this done but the toxic toxic hopefulness is the thing that now resonates with me, Andy. I'm going to take that. Sorry, I, I hope I'll get your your permission to use it. <clears throat> and like you, Sarah, when you talked about you know the adoption, the invasiveness, Andy. Yeah, you said it's not a it's not an easy process, and it's not. And we were we were broken. And if I can get angry one of the things that really f pisses me off and I've had this a few times now is when people, you know, they go through that. Oh, well, did you try adoption? No, we were broken. We were absolutely fucked. Oh, did we try fostering? Are you fucking serious? So here we are. I've just told you that we've tried our hardest to get a child. And now you're saying that, well, why don't you foster one? knowing that there's going to come a time when they're going to go are you ser are you fucking serious you know the thing that you want most in the world and you know it's going to go so no 
I think I've pissed a few people off actually, but I don't care. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, as I said, Vicky would have kept going if I hadn't said, I can't do this anymore. I really can't do it. That emotional roller coaster was, was well, as you guys know, is crippling. But one of the other things um, is that Vicky was hyperstimulated on her last round. And so, you know, to watch, to watch her collapse and smash her head on the tiles, uh, you know, and think what it, it really, it really said to me, what the fuck are we doing to you? What are we doing to you? And yeah, so um, I, I doubt there'll be any parents listening to this, but fuck, if only they understood how how debilitating the IVF process is, you know, they would probably have a lot more entropy. So much interesting to hear it from your point of view. Really, yeah. really is because then same thing, I suppose. I was obsessed. Yeah, had the hyperstimulation as well, collapsed, all of that. I know Vicky and I talked about that when I when I met her. And it's just so interesting to hear you say it from your point of view. Yeah. Because you don't know it as, as as a woman going through, you don't know that. You just don't no. know. You just keep going. I, oh, know, was I was in, just like, you know, I'll be fine. I'll she be was all in right. Cas yeah, she was in casualty. Mm, yeah. Ha having an argument with the, with the um, coron coronary doctor saying, I've got a fucking procedure tomorrow. I've got to be, I've got to be out of here. He's going, oh, whoa, whoa, hang on. We've got to figure out what's wrong. <laughs> it was just, mm. yeah, possessed. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah. I just want to carry on. I've got to keep going. And now that disconnect, and, you know, you, 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 somehow you, I always thought my brain disconnected from my, my body. My body's letting me down. My brain was fine. Still went through that and thought, yeah, that, my brain's functioning. My, my body's a bit, it's just, just a bit, you know, screwed up, but, you know, we'll fix it. And I suppose that gave me the, the myth then that I created for myself was that I was completely in control. I was fine. I knew what I was doing. All right. Yeah, I keep sticking the needles in. It's okay, you know. Yeah, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts like you never hurt. But yeah, keep going. You know, sitting in the car, going up from Wales, pressing my head against the window pane of the car because it was the only bit that was cold because my head hurt so much I could barely see straight. And even then, I was like, I can drive. I'm fine. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm all right. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, if I keep telling, kept telling Kenny, I'm all right. Then he'll relent, and we will carry on. Mm. Luckily, he knows me way too well, and it was a case of you know. And I think that must have taken all of his courage, every single ounce of courage that he had to say, "You got to stop," as I imagine it did for you because you're in the, you know, you, you see this person that you have been married to and you've known for so long, completely, I don't know, change into some monster, actually. It's not far from the truth. You know, it's not far from, the, it's a monster, but yeah. You know, I, mean, I, I definitely was speaking. monstrous. <laughs> Vicky's nicer than I am. But you, you do, you become kind of sort of monster. I, 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 that's anyway, I can reflect on how I thought yeah. I was like at the time. And it took, it took me to cry my eyes out on the, like I still remember the day now. I was sitting on the lounge, cry my eyes out, just saying I can't do it anymore. Mm. I just can't. 
and um, yeah, that's when we drew a line in the sand and took us a good ten years to get over that. It'd be, do you know what? I've just had a I just thought. Imagine if this was a prerequisite for someone for someone who's going to through IVF to listen to. I wonder. I wonder how that would would shape their decisions. I don't see anyone would listen to it. I think it's no. like the um the bit you know the oh what was that website called? Like oh god, something like Fertility Friends or something like that. And I think it I think it was run by one of the the, the clinics. I think, and I got obsessed by reading people's signatures to see if they had the same journey as I did. But in that forum was the I wasn't called Moving Forwards, but Life Beyond or something like that and it was the bit you didn't go to it was like opening your bank balance your bank statement when you had a really really corking weekend <laughs> no <laughs> i'll just wait till i get paid and it looks better i don't know that people would i think people would just go right okay no but that said i think there has to be something because there isn't with any i and maybe that's the purpose of of us being here is not necessarily the prevention but more, more part of a, a, I'd say cure. I don't, I would never want to think that any of us who work in this um, field and offer this support would ever want to be a, say that they're a cure, but it's, it's perhaps helping people learn to live with the journey that they've taken so that they know that there's no shame in that. Hmm. Yeah. I think that's part of it, isn't it? I think the transition from trying to accepting that you're not anymore is a very difficult one. And I think it's lonely mm. as well because you don't realise there's people out there that have already done it before you. But I remember being at the fertility show last year as after the storm and some people would actually sort me out and were like, yeah, I want to come talk to you because I want to know there's something beyond this because I don't think it's going to work and I'm starting to realise that. But there was there was one lady in particular that walked semicircles round my stall and just fell apart and said, I, I really didn't need to see you here. And it's kind of like it's that's unfortunately it's the reality, isn't it? You get I got obsessed, I was very obsessed, to the detriment of everything else, everything else stopped, but for me being a mum. And when that didn't work, you then gotta try and pick up all the pieces and find out who you are again. And we were talking about roles earlier and, and male roles and who we are if we're not going to be mums and I think that's incredibly difficult once you've got to accept that actually it's not going to happen for you. So can can we can we swing this in a different direction now in that I think are we in a position to be able to talk about um, examples of you know who we are now um, you know can we inject a positive into this somehow and, and talk about how how do we find that next that, mm. that next life that yeah you know yeah yeah um look I, i've got some i've got a few ideas so if you, if you want to make it more personal you if any you want to talk about phd and you know maybe because uh, i think it'd be good to balance it because mm. it looks like we've bashed ivf <laughs> which is great <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I and I I really think it's something that probably look from the conversation. Um, it's probably something that Andy Berenice and I probably needed to do. 
mm. you know, in, in that respect, not, not discounting your experience, Sarah, but, no. um, mm. you know, it's, that's probably, it's probably what we all needed to do, get it off our chest and bash it. But uh, yeah, so a positive, you know, how, help me out. <laughs> help me. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good thing to, to go yeah. with, Michael. I agree. Yeah. Because one of the things I, th I think about a lot, um, and it, there's a couple, of, a couple of guys who put in the clan of brothers about, uh, there's a gentleman in the United States who is a fire chief, I think he was, Andy. It was a few months ago now. But he talked about, well, I, I don't know who I am now. I don't, you know, I don't know who I am. And um, it, I think it would be good if we could, you know, either use our own experience or examples of other things about, you know, how to, I guess it's like Jody's plan B, you know, mm. what's next. So, I, I mean, I, I've got some very specific examples. Can I just stop in with one very quick comment here, an observation? Go. go. That yes still husbands partners still valued i'm going to go with that one just to kind of kick it off because i think that that's so important that, that nobody who i've met male female anyone is less than the person that they were for what they've gone through my husband isn't less of a person to me because of what he's been through i think that if i met your husband sarah i would think he would be quite an interesting and amazing person just because you know well he's married to you and so he has to be and i think it's the same with you michael you're well it's true you know and this is the thing we all have friendships we have something in common but that is it you know we we're not less than and i and i always love speaking to you michael you're a really really good friend and i really value who you are and it's the same with you andy we have some fantastic conversations on twitter and things like that and i really am pleased that you're here today so i don't think that anyone is less than that in anyone's eyes no one's less of a husband mm. less of a partner for somebody i think rach definitely says that about me and i definitely think about her that we're not less than because we're not parents but it's trying to see yourself through other people's eyes at times because for me it's like i don't think i was were perhaps ob as obsessed as michael described vicky and you described yourself bearings i think i would have if we had the money i'd have pushed for a third one but i could see something in rach and it's just i can't do that to her that's not right but that was more of my need of needing to to fix it to get it right because i didn't feel good enough about it and so actually being able to stop is perhaps a nod towards where i wanted to go we've done everything we can it's time to just become ourselves again because we were ourselves but we've become swamped by this one part of us who wanted to be mum and dad and so in terms of michael things it's it's hard to say because I've sort of been how I am. I've, I've always found it hard to sort of think I matter or I put myself first and that's okay. And I think for me, that's part of this legacy agency. I've never really thought about it because I think of others first. I somehow will just work things out. And Michael mentioned my PhD, and the PhD is a bit of a plan B, but it's also 
it seemed like a good thing at the time and I fell into it not like you do fall into it because there's a lot of work to get it and to get funding but I tell myself I fell into it I don't recognize the amount of reading I did to apply and to do the interview was probably equivalent of half a master's and I did it while working in counseling I just sort of somehow discount that so I think for me I'm still getting there with liking myself with being positive with seeing there's life beyond this because obviously there is because I'm now doing a PhD I'm still offering therapy to with a charity where we work with sexual abuse and violence so it's not an easy an easy topic it's difficult work but it's it's life affirming it's it is rewarding it is odd to say it's enjoyable and then beyond that before lockdown I was I was part of a running group and they're still running but I'm not because my fitness has dropped but um there is a lot more to my life and it's like I've found the joys of cycling again I've got a road bike and it's I sort of wish I didn't grow up in Norfolk because the hills around here are killers but there is a sense that there is more to it beyond kids really that even if I'm still struggling with saying wow I'm doing the PhD that I must have something about me or I must see this topic in a way that someone else leaves and is and is supporting with it and I'm currently recruiting and the amount of feedback I've got from organizations that wow what a cool project we really need this and we'll try to do what we can to help you it's almost like I can't take it like that doesn't fit with this view of myself but in time hopefully and certainly by the end of the, the PhD I want to be sort of matching that same wowness of it and that it's okay for me to think of myself in a way of wow I'm doing something like that seems to be striking a chord and hopefully can make a bit of a difference somewhere and I think the council makes a difference to people and I think the running does and part of my thing was when before we locked down was at union was I was trying to start a running group through for well-being and just sort of no sense of distance it's just about a bit of going out together at a time it could be pottering depending there they could go quicker and come back there's all sorts of things and I guess yeah so again that's about helping others but there's something in there that we aren't just defined by our kids that for me the positives are that life hasn't stopped I haven't given up I haven't lost myself in following cricket drinking too much beer letting the guitar get too dusty not buying a bike I kept going even if it's been really difficult really tough and so I suppose it's that not giving up on myself is maybe the biggest positive that I can be with that it's not necessarily the PhD, it's not necessarily the work I do and the hobbies I'm involved in and, and even buying the big issue and subscribing to that, which is in part Berenice's sort of encouragement as well as the view of Street Cat Bob. But it's like actually becoming more active in the environment and social. They're all great things, but I think the proudest thing I'm actually of is I don't give up. There's something in me that says, I'm not giving up on this. That this For me, this is it. This is our life. There is nothing else. So if there's nothing, then you can do anything within your constraints. And I think part of my work is trying to improve those constraints for everyone and for us all to respect each other's sort of space so we can live alongside ourselves as ourselves, but as a community. So the individualism isn't about just looking after yourself. It's being you 
but as part of the community. And that's what I like about the childless is that finding you guys when the sort of appeared on Twitter talking about it or finding the Facebook groups and then with Michael getting the clan of brothers going and that feels like really important. That feels like a community where people are themselves but we've also got something in common and we're also helping each other and we respect if we can talk about it at one point we can't at another or we seem to go quiet and disappear and then come back and more active. And so yeah, I suppose for me just the positive is don't give up, I suppose, if that makes sense. Without it, obviously that takes time to get to. Or and there's something about me somewhere that I don't do it, that I I think there's more. But it doesn't mean it's easy and I don't doesn't mean I don't suffer and I don't want to just sometimes sit on sit on the floor and cry and think bang my head against the wall sort of thing. But I think because I don't give up there's certainly a potential as a move from my forties and onwards that life can be as as great as it would have been if we had kids through that time. Yeah. That's me. Uh, um well yeah wow. I, I i what i'd like to, oh. to happen andy is is for you to listen to what you've just said probably in a few weeks time when we've done the when we've done the edit and um you know in the cold light of day you've just talked about all the things that you do i mean i i i have such admiration for you for what you do um and i can i look um I'm I'm lost for words right now, in that, you know, fuck I don't know what to say. It's in my head. It's there, but I. You're a great guy. There you go. That, I'll look. <laughs> that's the best I can do right now, Andy. But I have such admiration for you for what you do. Thanks, thanks, Mike. That does mean a lot, and it's. There's a yeah. I'm really fighting not just to brush it off. But to, to take in what you say, and I yeah. do hear that people of that thing of what I do, and then I go, oh, I'm not good enough. I think they just don't yeah, add I, up. I, yeah, I wish sense. I wish I was there. I wish I was there now to give you a big hug and shake on the shoulders and go, fucking listen to yourself. Listen to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean, and you obviously don't say that to other people who are struggling. But there is a part of me that has said to myself, enough's enough. For fuck's sake, to snap out of it. You, no, I'd never say that. But I just want—I just want you to go listen to yourself. Yeah. That's <laughs> the thing. I can say that to myself. I've never said to someone else because it's so contextual what we go through and who we, yeah. what we're doing. But there, yeah, I feel like I'm seeing the sort of just building that. Really, this is enough of enough of just sort of sabotaging my world. That mm. all the things that have been difficult there'd be so many reasons for it. there's lots of it that's nothing to do with me but wrong place or just people's best wasn't quite didn't quite match mine or what i needed that sort of stuff but so yeah it is a sort of i tell my clients all the time they matter and we work through like how they work and it's like i'm only at times on, on the same page <laughs> I'm not some guru. And I think maybe that's part of the reason I can do the work I do, that there is that humility, humanity in there that somehow mm. they recognise there's something that I've gone deep in my own stuff that they that I'm there for them. But 
it is sometimes I think, why haven't I just done that final piece of work? What's stopping you embracing the sort of life? Well, never, you don't live fully actualized or number seven or whatever it is on your, 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 your spectrum of how people actualize, how people develop. But why can't I just enjoy it? Enjoy where I'm at and be content enough. And that's the thing. That's where I'd like to work. But I think the not giving up means I'll get there. And I think I wouldn't be part of the clan. I wouldn't be helping there. I wouldn't be doing these things and offering my time here if I didn't feel like it's rewarding. It gives me something and it hopefully offers someone else stuff. And I think, yeah, I think it is just listen to myself. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, but I think it's I think it's a any it's a great ex- I mean you're you're very eloquent and it's very I think it's a great example of you know um, people who are not as far along the path to acceptance maybe had to 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 get hold of and say you know okay yes when none of us have said it's easy mm-hmm. all right there is there is there is there is um, hope and not the toxic hope but there is hope yeah. yeah. Yeah, because it feels like we don't sell the future, the plan, the the next chapter. We just say it's possible, but we recognise it's it is hard work, and that mm. will come from difficult places. And it it doesn't mean the future is going to be perfect, but whose future is going to be anyway? Even with kids, mm. it doesn't mean you set up for life. But it's almost like the grass is greener, isn't it? So it's about, in a sense, tending to our garden, and that's the thing that. I'll perhaps neglect at times and maybe that and that is the thing where I'm trying to focus more on and that is doing stuff like this helps in that way because it's sort of hearing from you that I just, give you, I just want to give you a hug and tell you to just be you and it's actually that means a lot and I think yeah it, that's the sort of thing that helps me sort of click a bit further on yeah and I think that's the positive in it we're we're trying to help each other out as well that's another big positive of coming out of childlessness is doesn't mean there isn't a community for you. Doesn't mean there isn't a family or a home for you. Hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What? What? So, what do you girls think? What's what? What? You know, I guess um, if you were to talk, you know, similar to Andy, what would your, your you know, what's your thoughts about ourselves or about? Yeah. Yeah. God. What what has got you? What has what has what are the positive that got you here? I'm I'm terrible at my self worth. We all are. I'm no, I'm shocking. I I had <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible at that. I mm, I don't know. I I would struggle to come up with anything of any merit. I suppose to be honest, I sort of feel sometimes I'm still stuck somewhere. And not perhaps as far along as I ought to be. But if we're thinking of positives, which is what you've asked, and not for me to go back and some kind of morbid self-reflection, then I would say that I, the master's degree, I'm too, I'm too terrified to do a PhD. <laughs> I've kind of dropped out of it for too long to begin. I looked at, so I did think about it before the lockdown again, and I keep thinking about it. And, um, yeah, I've, dropped, I've lost the language, I think. I, I somehow seem to have lost the academic language, but I'm okay with that. You know, I'd like to. I think I need pity because I just want to be a, have a doctor. 
Dr. Smith would be quite cool. And I'm quite open to sort of saying that <laughs> rather than the hard work. I could probably buy a dodgy certificate somewhere, couldn't I, on the internet anyway. Um, but I did a master's. I didn't think I'd be able to do that. And I stood up in front of people and explained a bit more of my journey. And I would say that that's probably the thing that I'm, I'm most proud of. Um, because I've stood up and, and, and said, this is what happened. Sometimes I'll be honest and say for shock. Um, because I think people sometimes just need to get a grip and, and, and understand this stuff. I think the podcast is a huge part of that. And I think that's probably the thing that's probably changed me the most in the sense that I value the collaboration, I think, as much as anything else and the friendship that I've made within both the podcast, but also outside of the podcast too. Um, there's friendships I think that will remain in place, I hope lifelong really, because there is something, you know, regardless, and I keep saying this, that, you know, this isn't a podcast about IVF or past that. It's a, it's a podcast about everything post-childlessness you know no mm. subject is left um undiscussed i think really i think you know anything goes um and meeting people who have found themselves in a position that's different in this position that's in a way that's different to mine the journey is different rather um has been eye-opening and rewarding and incredibly emotional but i think it's made me realize that 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 we also have so much in common and you can still have those friendships and they're very important. So yeah, speaking out has been a big part of it. Um, I guess getting a dog has been quite good and learning that, you know, she's a dog and, and not a surrogate child. Um, you know, if anything, I just call her my girlfriend. Um, <laughs> she's definitely not, definitely not a child, I suppose. Um, yeah, I think they're the kind of the things, I suppose. And just learning to sort of settle down with it a bit, that not every day is a trigger, that there are actually some quite good days in all of this. Um, yeah, I think that's probably all I... That I'm struggling because I, 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 I'm terrible at, at this. I, 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 I constantly sort of think, oh, well, you know, I'm... Actually, you just have to dig a bit deep sometimes and get prompts from people like you <laughs> to put you in a sort of like, oh God, I can't think of anything. But yeah, I'd say that speaking out, communicating probably is the thing that's been most important to me. Mm, it's, it's interesting when you say communication because one of the things that Vicky and I, there's many things we say about you, and they're all good. <laughs> but one, <laughs> one, one, of the, one of the things that, um, you should you should do audio books because you have a lovely lovely voice and um and vicky goes i could listen to berenice all day oh yeah. i love listening oh, bless to you. i always think i'm like the third wheel really in all of this that's the thing i bring to the podcast now is that is the voice <laughs> you need to be the harry potters that would be amazing <laughs> <laughs> yeah i read i do read to the dog i have to say 
I do, I, can I confess that? I've just confessed it. But I sit here and she's sort of like getting a bit kind of like, oh, I'm going to go and run around the house like an idiot. And she's actually quite tired. And you know that actually it's, it's the tired Zoom. It's a bit where, Moles, you need to just, 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 just quit that and sit down and, and be a normal dog. You know, please, God, be a normal dog. And I get a book out and start reading too. <laughs> and she's like, oh, <laughs> oh okay I'm gonna come and sit down and I'm gonna listen to you and you think, oh dear so, yeah oh thank you that's a lovely thing to say I'm not sure any of it makes sense but yeah well uh, and not only the other fact that um you know uh, that Vicky would probably jump at the chance of living with you and having a artist studio somewhere in Cornwall <laughs> I know that's our plan or France the turret in France please oh, yeah, yeah. I quite fancy that too I don't necessarily want to stay in this country right now so <laughs> therefore France would be fine Any, and New Zealand frankly would be quite nice right now but, but oh, no, I think that's yeah. it and again that is a power of friendship isn't it you know I've only met Vicky once and yeah friend for life I hope so because I I think she's just amazing I think she's incredible and I think she's so talented and we spoke about this yesterday on the, the coffee chat that how I just admire her, her her talent and her ability I really really do and I hope that you know we'll always be friends for forever I really hope so even though we're miles and miles apart I really hope so because oh, she's I, fantastic I, I, though I worry I that you so. talk about me um, <laughs> talk about someone else <laughs> <laughs> But okay, you, Sarah. Darling. That's lovely. Sarah, you go. It's your oh, turn now. Yeah. I know. I think it might be. I, I think you know when it happened to me, I threw everything up in the work, up in the air, and waited for it to land. And I've totally changed. If I'm honest, you probably wouldn't recognise me if you met me before the fertility shit show. I certainly didn't swear as much, <laughs> which I, I absolutely fucking adore, I have to say. <laughs> but no, I think for me, I think it has been finding the community. I think that's really, you know, when I think back to when I was sort of just Googling, trying to find something, and the only thing I could find was Jodie, and I went and did that weekend, it's like, oh, wow, there are other people out there like me, you know, not the same not the same backstory, but the same people struggling with the same, you know, shitty outcome. That for me, I think was my saving grace. And that's what really um, motivated me to go up and say, actually, I'm not happy with anything in my life. You know, Gemma side, my other half side, everything for me, nothing worked. I had this massive sense of dissatisfaction all the way through. Couldn't find people that I connected with. And I've been, you know, if there is a positive, then it has been finding friends and people that I connect with, albeit for a rather, you know, a rather horrible backstory and the fact that they are struggling too with their childlessness. So I think for me, that's, that's something I'm immensely proud of. I was very introverted, very, very shut down before all of this. And now I, you know, I talk about all my backstory and everything on a podcast. <laughs> it's out there on the, the World Wide Web. You know, I'm very open about it. I think I shock I shock my my friends from beforehand. They don't really they don't really recognise who I am now because I'm so different. But that's thanks to meeting people like you guys and being able to share, you know, the shittiness, but realise actually there is there is joy and friendship out there if you want it. Hmm. No, I was I was just gonna say that um I, I still haven't forgotten 
the very first time we we did a recording oh. and you talk about you, you know you want to be your like your feisty nan <laughs> and uh i i can see i it, it i could just see you blossoming into that woman <laughs> and you know and and I, I, I just really love the way that you, you question, the way that you've delivered questions is awesome. God, it's, yeah, it, I totally, I, I'm terrible with that. I am, I, I am yeah. in awe. Yeah, me too. And, and I mean this in, I mean this in a good way, but fuck, you make me feel inadequate when you start that shit. Yeah, Seriously. I know, me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like you tell a, you tell a yarn like you do, Michael, and I'm like, oh, Michael's doing the yarn thing, and then the same going like. <laughs> wrong with the questions but in such a really good way it's like why when you say something i think oh why did what why did why do i not think that why do i oh and yeah how do you not think about that and you always stay on track whereas i think that, that, that michael you and i um we tend to go off on little rambles around <laughs> finally sarah brings us back to the point of what we meant today with the question although actually you've been quite good with the questions today michael i have to say yeah, and happy? andy of course that question toxic yes. toxic hope yeah fuck that's yeah. brilliant brilliant but, isn't it but i but i think this it, just the, the whole chat that we've just had mm. is a fantastic example of how it can be better that we trust the community you trust the people in your community because you know that they have been as sarah puts it that shit show regardless of the detail you know we've all been through it and i think it's you know if we if i think if it's a takeaway from this is that you know to our communities trust each other and 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 speak out and and one of the other things is, you know, is be part of it. Because, you know, we've all talked about being part of it has helped us. And I, I, I think that's a, I think it's a takeaway from this. Yeah, trusted, trusted others. And I think that actually thinking about that is how often we, we can share or think we can trust others and they let us down because they may have judgments that they make that can be our, our own, uh, our families, our friends, friends we thought that would understand. And then you have to kind of step into this arena where you may not know people that well, because the friends that you've grown up with from school or, or, or you, you, I don't know, you shared a house with or whatever have gone on to have children. And then you have to find someone new to talk to and who the hell and you don't know who they are really when you think about it you you, you don't know that much about them and there's still lots of gaps in other people's in friendships i have in our community where i don't necessarily know where people might live or i don't know their address i can't send them a card or something like that whereas i could send my relations a card i know where they live i can pop around the house but actually logically that doesn't necessarily matter that much if you're talking to each other and you're providing that extra level of trust and that listening space and just that empathy, then you know, it doesn't matter if you don't send them a card, you, you, you're mm. talking to them, you're giving space. Those, those physical gestures that we, we make, particularly now, actually, when you think about it, you know, we can't hug each other, we can't 
perhaps you know I, I know lots of people don't want any post at the moment because they're worried about all of that sort of thing you know and, and I can understand that um we're having a bit more cautious so we're having to speak a lot more in difficult circumstances and in some ways long may that continue because I think we're all perhaps being a little bit more hopefully a little bit more open a bit more honest I think the success of World Childless Week this year only goes to show that um and the podcast as well you know I'll you know <laughs> stats moment you know <laughs> how how we're all growing as a podcast it's important that space and that trust so we haven't asked Michael yet have we no, Michael. Oh, she'd kill a question. There she is. Dun, 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 dun. You knew. She... Sarah had not forgotten. I just going to say, guys, like, yeah, I agree totally with all that this is a safe space. Cause I know I talk more here than I do with, with friends who I've known, obviously, a lot longer because, as Sarah puts it, you, you know the shit show. So that really does help. No, I can't wait to hear what Michael says his positives are about our community and what he's learned and what he he offers now after being childless. I'll put it this way. Vicky and I had a conversation. Here's a story coming, fairness. Um, Vicky and I had a conversation the other day. It was around the childless community. And she said, how, how, do, you, how do you keep doing it? How do you keep being part of it? Doesn't it make you sad? Because it does her. She just, it's, she's like this sponge that just soaks up everyone else's sorrow. And I said, no, it doesn't. It doesn't make me sad because I have, I know that um, I, I, I have this, I have this great belief that, that we, the more we talk about it, the, the easier it becomes, the better it becomes, but it's not just about me. It's about everyone else out there looking for some type of inspiration. Um, and that's, that's a lot of the feedback that I get from our community is, thank you. Thank you for bringing this up. Thank you. For, you know, it's, it's really refreshing to see this. It, it, and so I get, yeah, I get a lot of satisfaction from, from that. I, as I said, you know, I, I get a lot of satisfaction from being part of this community and the more of us that can support each other, the better this community will be. And I have a very, very, very strong belief of that uh, because, you know, we as a community can do some great things for those who come behind us. And that's my focus is for those what do what do we leave when we leave this earth and i'd like to think that we can make it at least a little better and so that's that's what gives me a lot of satisfaction is that and i have a a, a lot of satisfaction from all the friends that i've made i friend as many of our as much as our community as possible because, uh, and, and they don't, will, or they won't all be close friends. They will be, you know, we have, let's say, circles of friendship. And those, those who wish to be in the, you know, the, the inner circle, because it's not really my choice. It's, um, you know, if they wish to, like, 
we communicate you know so you know i would like to think that we are you know in the close circle and others would perhaps not want that they're happy to watch but um yeah i i, got, I get a lot of satisfaction from from connecting with people and um and knowing that knowing just that little bit of connection will make a difference and i don't want to say that as a you know as as um as arrogance but i just believe that that, that you know that connection will make a difference and yeah so that's and that that's that's why i i am so overt with with my social media as, as an example of that someone will get something from it and that's why I'm a big believer in social media because some, the more people I friend, someone you know will get something from me being a dickhead one day, and I don't mind admitting that, <laughs> you know, all, all my failings as well. So yeah, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. One thing I wanted to say is just that I think over the 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 time that I've known you and also Andy as well with with you too that how much you've both grown I think <laughs> that I think that that's an example really Michael of where I think the power of, of of you speaking and sharing and being so expressive I think and, and, and giving that space leads to that I think other people have, have followed you in in that and and again i think with you andy as well you know, the, the way that I've, I've noticed when we we were first on twitter and how you've changed the way that the, the words that you're sharing and and, it, and it's so nice to see that both you and actually robin as well i have to say the big you know kudos to, to, to robin hadley here for for all that he does as well i think that there's this, this core community and i would say that the three of you are very much a part of that that you're, you're you're allowing other people that space by by kicking those conversations off yourself and your, your your research and and your actions and I think they're in so utterly invaluable, um, really they are. I mean, I, as I've always said to you, Michael, I always wanted. I thought you know, and I always knew that you had an interest in podcasts, and to actually do a podcast with you is is a huge privilege. It really is. It's always a privilege to to do a podcast episode with you. No, thank you. I, I just hope I'd, I, I have this conflict in me that I hope that I set a good, I want to set a good example. Mm -hmm. um, well, not, no, no, I want to lead by example. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I'm just an everyday gruff bloke that, you know, but, but I hope I set a good, and, but I hope I set a good example. You're not your right. everyday gruffness and who you no you're not but if you're going to go and use that descriptive then i think that that is an honest descriptive if that's how you perceive it but also it's accessible yeah you know you are accessible to so many people you know which is it's so important to to our audience i, I think you know we've it's it, time and time again you know it, it's mentioned the dynamics but the dynamics wouldn't work i think if if you were not part of that because you you have an accessibility i know when i said you know i i've kenny's listened to the podcast and it, it appears occasionally um but you're accessible to him because of who you are i think that's it and and everybody i think that does stuff in our talks 
in our community has different things that they they do you know we have helen who is so creative who's on the podcast um last month and we've had Meriel and we've had Victoria, we've had Yvonne and her guests as well. We have so much diversity and so much accessibility, um, which is the power of a podcast, but we have to lead by example and say, okay, we can't do everything. We can't, we can't answer all the questions. We can't, we have to bring other people in to have those conversations sometimes, but we can sit and we can lead by example, whether that's because we, we swear like troopers, we get angry, we get sad, we, laugh sometimes inappropriately maybe <laughs> but yeah and we support each other and we can't do that unless it's 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 friendship and again the podcast is very much i think about trust trust in our audience that they understand and 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 know that we're doing it for the right reasons and trust in each other that you know when we're presenting something and with our guests as we've done with andy here today that we can we can carry those conversations on it's a legacy it's a footprint for something else you know and i and i hope that in years to come people will go back and go oh yes the full stop podcast thanks for staying the distance on this marathon chat but we thought it was important that we capture it all now please don't forget that we are also on the trinity of facebook insta and twitter and all of those links can be found on our website www.thefullstoppod.com where you can register for our newsletter so you can keep up to date with what we're up to. We would also appreciate if you could rate us on the platform you use to listen to the podcast. The more ratings we get, the wider our spread and the more of our community we can reach. And if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast or have a burning issue you think our community should be aware of, we have a form on our website that you can fill in to give us the details. Now, don't forget, we love hearing from our audience, so please drop us a line anytime, be it email, Insta, or our personal Facebooks. Or join us for our coffee mornings you'll find on the website event sections. And as always, it's important for us to let you know, you are not alone. Jenny Joseph. Uh, when I'm an old woman, I shall wear purple with a red hat, which doesn't go and doesn't suit me. And I shall spend my pension on brandy and summer gloves and satin sandals and say with no money for butter. I shall sit down on the pavement when I'm tired and I shall gobble up samples in shops and press alarm bells. <laughs> and run my stick along the public railings and make up for the sobriety of my youth. I shall go out in my slippers in the rain and pick flowers in other people's gardens and learn to spit. You can wear terrible shirts and grow fat and eat three pounds of sausages at a go or only bread and pickle for a week and hoard pencils and pens and beer mats and things in boxes. But now we have no must-have clothes that keep us dry and pay our rent and not swear in the street and set a good example for the children. We must have friends to dinner and read the papers. But ought I not to practice a little now so the people who know me are not too shocked and surprised why I'm suddenly I am old and I start to wear purple. <laughs>